Well, good morning. Hey, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, it is a beautiful day, and what a beautiful day for us to have Baptism Sunday. And uh, so if you didn't know, today is Baptism Sunday, and so we're always excited on that. If you're new with us, we just want to welcome you. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. I am going to ask right now, we have people looking for seats, so if you're sitting on the end, could you move towards the middle um, so that some seats can open up for people? We would really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, so if you're new with us, we just want to make sure you feel welcome here. Um, we want you to know that uh, we want you to, our hope for you being here is that you know that God loves you and uh, that he wants to work in your life. And so this morning I would ask if, if uh, you see those cards in front of you and the chairs behind you, or the chairs in front of you, um, if you would just grab one of those. If you want to fill any of those out, we would love to have you fill them out. We have a prayer card. If you have a prayer request, no matter how big or small, we want to pray for you. You might want to connect with the church. Um, let us know some things that are going on, or if you have interest in something, uh, fill one of those cards out, and uh, any of those can go in the bolt. I mean, in the offering as it goes by later on in the service, and you can read through the other cards as well. Um, like I said, today's Baptism Sunday, and Baptism Sunday is awesome. Uh, it's, uh, God gave us a beautiful day for this. Uh, it's an awesome day because, one, I get to wear a T-shirt to church, and that's always fun. Uh, but secondly, uh, obviously, this is uh, an important day for us. This is a day that we celebrate people saying, I'm all in. Um, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to give my life to Christ, and, and I want people to know that. I want to proclaim that. <clears throat> so um, if... Just so you know, we have, we have about 15 people being baptized today um, with, from all different stories. Some of them kids who are raised in, who are blessed enough to raise, be raised in families who have taught them about Christ and they, they know what it means and they want to follow Jesus. Others, adults who have been on this long journey, um, some who just very recently gave their life to, to Christ, others who kind of have been doing this wrestle with God um, for a while and finally got to that point and just went, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to surrender this to you, and I'm going to turn it over to you. And so many different stories, and in a few weeks we'll have our baptism video where you'll get to hear a little bit of their testimonies. Um, but I want to encourage you, stick around. Um, the the uh, lunch will start pretty much right after the service, um, and then after lunch we will have our baptisms, and it's just a great time to celebrate. Even if you don't know someone who's getting baptized, they're a part of your body of Christ. And so we encourage you to come and hang out and celebrate with them uh, as God does as well. So um, that's going on today. Second thing, I just want to real quickly let you know about something that's not in your bulletins. Um, a lot of you have been asking about this for a while. and We've kind of been wrestling with when we're doing it. We have scheduled our next mission trip for January 4th through the 14th our trip to Honduras, and uh, we are going to have our first interest meeting next Sunday. I know that's Father's Day. It'll be a 20-minute meeting right after second service here, um, and this is just an interest meeting. Um, so if you just like, I want to know more about this. I want to know how much it costs. I want to know why you guys go. What's the purpose? What can I expect? Things like that. It's a great place for you just to get the quick initial stuff on that, and then we'll have some follow-up meetings. Now, if you cannot make this meeting, it does not mean you cannot go, but we really want to encourage you to come and just uh, be here for this. Next Sunday, about 1230, here in the, the worship center. So that is coming up, and we're always excited when we go to Honduras. If you don't know, we partner with a church in Honduras. We work with them. Uh, we've worked with them for about uh, four years now, and we're just continuing a long-term relationship with them. We have uh, we sponsor most of the kids in the surrounding area around them, making sure that they're getting school and clean water and food every day, um, and then we do many other things with the church as well. So a couple things you just need to be aware of. Um, in just a few minutes, we're going to get into the message, but we have our last testimony today. So many of you... Uh, have known for the last few weeks, we have been having the, the guys who are being um, uh, looked at as shepherds, uh, the, the guiding body, the guiding leadership of the church. We're, we've been letting them have a week to share their testimony uh, before we lay hands on them on the 25th. And so today is our last one here at this campus. Uh, you, we've heard from the guys that attend here, but 
Today, we're going to hear from Chad Freestone. Chad is, uh, attends our Camus campus, and he uh, was very instrumental in helping us get that campus started. And Chad, um, they, he and his wife, Faith, uh, have, they, they do most of the setup on Sunday mornings. But on top of that, the thing, they also teach a Bible study. And, but the thing that I really appreciate about Chad that was why we asked him to con consider this situ uh, position is Chad has a what can I do to serve God and his kingdom mentality and um, just a willingness to jump in and do that. So um, Chad doesn't get to be with us most weeks. He was here with us for about six months uh, before we started uh, because he knew he wanted to be a part of that campus. Um, but uh, most, he, most weeks he's up in Camas. So would you, if you guys, Chad, if you would come on up, if you guys would welcome Chad up, he's going to share his testimony. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Um, Shane asked me to keep this to 10 minutes or less. That's hard for me, but I'm going to do my best. Um, <laughs> um, there's a few things through my testimony that I think are kind of key points that brought me to the cross eventually. So when I hit one of those points, just so you don't miss it, I'm going to give you a sign. It looks like this. Got that? Okay. Um, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, to a very active LDS family. Um, being Mormon was our whole world. That's uh, what I grew up and what I knew as a child. Um, I loved sports. I got into playing football, soccer, baseball, all those things. I loved to play sports, and if there was a game going on, I wanted to be in the middle of it. Um, that was, uh, I've always been athletic and loved doing that. We lived in Salt Lake till I was about 15. Um, back when I was a child in primary, we had this shirt that we got that said, Jesus makes me happy, and it had a big smiley face. I loved that. Like, it just for some reason spoke to me. I wore it all the time. I don't know how often I let my mom wash it because I was always wanting to wear that. But uh, at that point in life, I knew Jesus was my Savior, um, and that was all I really knew. But that, that meant a lot to me. Um, as I grew up, though, the um, teachings started to change, and they started to focus on prophets and other things, and I kind of became disinterested in it at that time. It kinda, I kind of started to drift away, and eventually by the time I turned 18 and I was no longer forced to go to church, I was done. Um, I quit going to church at that point. Um, I remember watching football one day with my dad and seeing a, a guy score a touchdown and do this, this thing and point up. And I was like, that's weird. What's that all about, Dad? He's like, oh, I think he might be Catholic or something. He's like, I don't know. I don't think that's a good thing. But he's like trying to praise God or something. Um, for me, though, I thought that's really cool. Somebody loves God so much and like has this relationship with them that they would do that. That's cool. So, um, in, our or in our neighborhood, there was also one family. We didn't have, a, I mean, I didn't know Christians, right? I don't even know at that point if I knew they existed. Um, but there, there was a family that moved in up the street, and I found out they were Christian, and I noticed that they would drink wine with dinner. And I thought, that's weird. I got to ask my parents about that. So I was like, hey, they drink wine with dinner. How come we don't ever do that? That's when I was told we were not allowed to drink alcohol, and that that was bad, and we should never do that. So it, that was maybe why I first kind of started to question, like, how come we got all these weird rules that nobody else seems to have? So just before I turned 15, though, my family moved to uh, Oakley, Utah, up in the Camas Valley. Um, we had some ground up there, loved it, so we moved up there. Now, I'm uh, the new kid, right? New kid at school, and uh, this is a fairly small school. Most of the kids have known each other all their lives, so here comes the new kid from the city. Not easy. Um, so I wanted to fit in. Now, definitely sports helped me to do that because I immediately got involved with football and all of that. 
But um, I also found that, hey, I could party, and, and the in-crowd kind of accepted me if I did that. So I started to party a little. And uh, I grew up in the 80s, so I started to buy into the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing that was being sold during the 80s. So I got really uh, involved with that scene, and that carried on through, you know, after high school, and uh, kind of just kept hanging on as I went through life. Now, when I graduated, I had big plans of maybe becoming a big football star. Well, I had a little accident with a foot forklift, and it won and busted up my leg, um, and that kind of ruined that dream. So I changed uh, over to just going to school and getting a, a degree and becoming an engineer, going to work. But I was searching for some happiness in life, right? For some reason, I couldn't seem to find that happiness. Um, I got married, had a couple children, had a pretty good job. I was buying new stuff. I was chasing after, you know, all the worldly pleasures, right? Got into smoking marijuana, drinking, got into pornography. I kept chasing after things, trying to find happiness. Um, I was in feeling depressed and kind of struggling along and trying to fill this void, right? Uh, eventually, I even got divorced, thinking I could make life better if I got divorced. It must be the wife. Um, eventually got remarried um, to Faith, and uh, <laughs> that brought four teenage girls into my life. And I already had my two, so that didn't really help relieve stress. Just put a little more pressure on, right? So I was struggling along, putting up a good face. I, you know, I had a good job. I was buying a new truck, got four-wheelers. It looked good on the outside, but inside I was deeply depressed and struggling with all this and feeling really stressed and feeling like I needed to get right with God. Well, I didn't really know how to do that. And unfortunately, all I knew was to work for it, right? So I started working really hard. I'll quit everything on my own. I could do that. Didn't work. I'll find happiness. I'll go back. I even tried going back to the to Mormon church and, and for a little while and quickly decided I didn't like that either. Um, so I'm struggling along through life trying to figure out how do I get happy fighting this depression when this guy comes to our work, and uh, his name's Dale, and this guy is just full of happiness, like to the point, like, what are you on, dude? And so I had to know, so I'm asking him, and I mean, he was evangelical, uh, had a strong faith, and he's just like, I got Jesus, man, that's what I got. You need Jesus. I'm thinking, well, I kind of thought I knew Jesus, but all right, tell me more. So he started sharing, and he uh started telling me stuff I'd never heard before. And so I started studying the Bible to see if he's telling me the truth. He's like, that's in the Bible? I don't know. I never read it, I guess. So let's read it. So I'm reading the Bible. I'm studying. I'm digging in. He's sharing with us all the time, me and my wife. And eventually he gave me a DVD called A Father's Love Letter, which is a bunch of verses put together that just shows God's love for us. And I'm sitting there watching it one night. When it hits me finally, the big light bulb goes on, and I'm like, it's by God's grace. He already loves me. I don't need to earn his love. He's not like up there going, Chad, you messed up. He's up there going, Chad, I love you. Just turn to me. I can make this all better. So that night, I finally got it. I finally got who Jesus was, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior that night. I said, Lord, I want to live for you. Jesus, I want you to take control of this life. All that stuff I couldn't do on my own, he started breaking down all these barriers. He started taking away all those chains and all that bondage. I was cleaning house, throwing away stuff and hoping the neighbors didn't look in the garbage can. Um, he cleaned my life up. I wanted to serve. I started serving on the worship team uh, at Calvary in Salt Lake. I don't have any musical skill, but I could run a computer, so I was doing lyrics. I got involved with Bikers for Christ, got involved with doing Bible studies, just dug in. Um, God started using me to teach classes, and I did some teaching. Um, quick flip back, when I first got saved, God said, I want you to go back to Camas and witness for me. I thought, you're crazy, God. One, I don't have a good reputation up there. People are going to be like, What? Chad the partier? And then two, I'm like, and I'll be the only Christian up there. That's not cool. Because <laughs> I didn't think there was any other Christians up in Canvas, which he later showed me that wasn't true. 
but I kind of forgot about it. And it took, uh, it's been 10 years, over 10 years since I got saved. It took uh, until six years ago that he moved us up there, but he moved us up there for things to do with the kids. Um, and so I didn't really realize he got me up there. But then once we got up there, I was like, oh, you said you were going to bring me back up here one day. You wanted me to be in Camas. But we were trying to figure out what is it that you want us to do in Camas. And we're kind of struggling along and doing our thing. We started a Bible study about four years ago, and we were plugging along with that. But I just knew God had something bigger. And about um, two years ago was when I was at a leadership conference at Mountain Life, and they said, you know what? We know you love Camus. you got to come talk to this Mike Smith guy. They're going to look at doing a, a church campus up in Camus from uh, Mountain View Fellowship in Hebron. I was like, that's cool. I'm totally in. So I met Mike, loved Mike. Does anybody love Mike? So right away, I was like, I'm in. I'm with you. But on the way home that night, I prayed. And I was like, Lord, is this where you really want me? Because, like, I'm excited. I know I want it. But is this what you really want, Lord? And he very clearly let me know that was the path he wanted me on and where he wanted me in faith. Um, I've seen God do a lot of miracles in my life through the ministries, Bikers for Christ. I know he's moving, and I know he's moving in these areas. And so I'm just really, really excited to see what he has for us all, both here in Hebrew and up in Camas. Um, and so I thank you, uh, Shane, for asking me to do this. I know God's been calling me towards leadership, too. So I prayed about that and decided this is what I want to do. I want to be a shepherd, and I want to help see all this grow and serve God however I can. Thank you. I shared this last service. One of my favorite things about being in Camas is uh, when I go there, I get to see Chad and his wife, Faith, um, sitting next to Chad's ex-wife and her husband worshiping together. And uh, it's, and, and Camus is the first time her, uh, her and her family have, have ever been gone to a church and been open to having a relationship with the Lord. And, and I really believe a lot of it is because of the redemption in Chad's life and what she's seen. And, and uh, it's just so cool to see that kind of redemption and healing uh, being brought uh, through that. So thank you, Chad, for that. Um, well, this morning we are going to continue in our Believe series, and we are getting, we're kind of trudging along here. We're almost through uh, this, this series. We've got a couple more weeks, and today we talk about faithfulness. So before we jump in, as we do, as we're going through Believe series, we always want to start with uh, reading our key verse for the week uh, out loud. So I'm going to read, read this. If you want to read along with me out loud, feel free to do so. We're reading Proverbs 3, verse 3 through 4. And it says this, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Let not faithfulness forsake you. We are called to be faithful people. I read it, saw a book that's called The Power of Habit by a guy named Charles Duhigg. And in this book, Duhigg says that there are certain habits that if we would cultivate in our life, we would create in our life, they have ripple effects and benefit other areas. And they will have great effect um, throughout that area of our life. Um, for instance, one of the uh, habits he talks about is the habit of, as a family, eating dinner together. Uh, now, if you're anything like us, we're an active family. All of our kids are in sports or clubs or, you know, youth group, and, and we're involved in things, and both of us working, that kind of thing. That can be a difficult thing to do, but Tanya and I, early on in our marriage, decided that was going to be something we do. We, we eat dinner together at least a couple nights a week on a regular basis, and Duhigg says that families that eat together, um, you will see your, the children succeed higher in school. The children have greater success later on in life. The children uh, grow up to be more responsible adults, and the children at their ages are more sociable. They're, they're able to socialize better as, at their ages 
than other kids who do not eat dinners. At, and it's interesting, he draws a distinctive line between at home and eating out, too. Uh, so, but he says the children do that, they, they, all these things happen, and it creates a stronger knit family. Now, we hadn't read that book, but I know for our life, that's been an important thing. We've seen that in our kids. We, we sit down together a couple times a week. We eat dinner. We eat what mom made for dinner, right? Right? Mom made that. You're eating it, okay? You know, I, you know, a little hunger never hurt anybody in our culture. So, uh, you don't like that? That's fine, but that's what's for dinner. So, you know, we, we kind of had that in our culture, in our family, and that's what we created, and, and um, it's been a blessing in our life. I want to talk about a habit that I feel like uh, is, is when cultivated, it will bless every area of our life. Um, and not just our spiritual life, although it will have a huge effect on our spiritual life. It will have an effect on who, our relationships, uh, our work, uh, and in our marriages, our, our kids, everything. And that is this idea of being faithful, of faithfulness. In, Proverbs, in Psalms 37, verse 3 through 4, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Cultivate faithfulness. See, this idea that it's something, you know, you can't just, if you know anything about agriculture, you know, even if you've just had a little garden, you're not going to do very well if you just find a spot of land and throw some seed on there, right? That's just, you know, you might get a plant or two, but you're not going to get much. You really want to grow something. You've got to cultivate that land. And the same thing goes with faithfulness. It's not just something that's going to happen we have to cultivate this in our life. So how do we cultivate faithfulness? Well, one, I think we need to start with the little things. Start with the little things. I'm just going to turn this. There we go. Um, so sorry, you will notice you do not have notes this week. I was extremely sick on Wednesday and Thursday, and one's not able to get Ashley the notes before uh, she needed to have the bulletin done. So you do have up there, if you are a note taker, I encourage you to just write, write it down. But we need to be start with the little things. Look at what Luke 16 says, verse 10 through 13. You can um, open your Bibles up. Luke 16, it's an easy one, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke in your New Testaments. Luke 16, verse 10 through 13 says this. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? See, we have to start by being faithful in the little things. The little things in life. What am I talking about? Well, that's talking about like you go to the store and you walk out. Cashier gave you change. I, you remember change, like real like money. Do you guys remember that? It's something you, yeah. You know, cashier give you too much change, right? And it's talking about being the kind of person that would say, you know what, I'm going to go and return back the excess change so that she doesn't get in trouble, but also that I'm being honest in my dealings, being faithful in little things, meaning that you're not going to take advantage of someone, even though you know you could in a business situation, or in a life situation, being faithful in the little things. Uh, I love what he says about, where it says, it, the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. That's a principle that we teach in our home quite a bit. Our kids know, if you, you, you do something wrong, you disobey, you, you know, get in trouble for something, you're, you're probably going to get in a little trouble, but were you pretty lenient until you lie? As soon as you're caught in a lie, I don't care how small it is, that's when the trouble starts. That's when we come down pretty hard. Even with the little ones, we, we start with that. Why? Because if they're dishonest in little things, they're going to be dishonest in much. You know, what, you think about little kids lying, right? What they, they don't lie about big things. They don't even have big things, right? They lie about the littlest things, right? Usually they're lying and you're going, I literally just, I watched you, right? I mean, I, you, yeah, you're, you're trying to lie and I just, but so we got it across that when you lie, that's when the big, that's when you're going to get punished. If, if you're honest about it, we'll usually be pretty lenient on what, what you do. 
But what, and we explain this to them. Because someday you're going to be in a situation where it is a big thing. And I want to trust you. I want to be able to say, you know what? They said they didn't do it. I trust it. But I can't do that unless you're honest. You see, because we're not parents. You ever, just so you know, I, I, it drives me nuts when a parent says, well, I know they didn't do it. Why? Because I asked them, and they would never lie. I'm like, really? Do you, I really, do you really believe that they would never lie? You're telling me your child has never lied to you? So, you know, it, I, we're, and we're just, those parents, we say, look, we're not going to believe you just because you're our kid. We're not going to say you didn't do it. So that's where the, that's a big thing for us. We're trying to cultivate that. It's important in the little things. Colossians 3, verse 23 through 24 tells us, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord. See, it tells us that whatever we're doing, we're serving the Lord. So we need to be faithful, one, because we're called to, but two, because it's, it's serving the Lord, every little thing we're doing. When we're at work, we're not just serving our boss or our customer or our employees. We're serving the Lord. Everything we do, we do as though we're serving Him. And so therefore, we are called to be faithful in those things. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. Do you notice the first things he said there, though? Whether you eat or drink, even in what you eat, do it all to the glory of God. That means that we should take into account what we're eating. We should think about that. Are we, are we eat, even living our life in that way to, to, glory, to bring glory to God? That's one I struggle with. You ever do this? I always think this is funny. I quit doing this. I refuse to order a double cheeseburger and fries and then ask God to bless it. I just, I just like, no, I am not. What's he going to like magically turn that into a salad as I'm biting? You know, no, you know, no. Well, I will thank God for it, you know, but, but, um, but that idea of like, okay, we order whatever we want and God ask God to bless it. No, God's like, why did you order that? You're killing yourself, right? You know what I thought about it would be a good idea? What if we prayed before we ordered, right? What if we actually prayed and then ordered? That might actually help with, with how, we, how we do that. But, but he cares about every little thing we do, being faithful in little things. In Matthew 5, 37, it says, let, us, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Think about that. How often do you follow through with what you say? If you said you'd do it, you do it. If you said you'd help someone with something, you make sure you help them with something. If you said you'd be there, you're there. It doesn't matter that something better came up. You're there. If you said you'd volunteer or you'd serve in something, you make sure you do it. How, how good are we at our word? At sticking with our word. Think about with, our, with kids. This was a tough one. I had to learn this when my kids were little. I get excited about things. I can be passionate about stuff. So I go, you know, if we get talking about something like, oh, we should all do blah, 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 right? And then you say it. Well, when you say that as an adult, what does a kid think? We're doing it. Right? That's going to happen. And Tanya was always better at saying, honey, you got to not do that. You're disappointing them when you, when you do that. So I had to learn and grow at just going, okay, I got to control my tongue. I got to think before I speak. And I got to be a person of my word. If I tell my kids we're going to do something, then I need, to, I need to follow through and I need to do it. Not just say we're going to do it and then later not do it. I actually was very tested in this yesterday. So, um, you know, how I, it, this happens to me a lot of times. Sometimes, like, next week, uh, the week after a sermon, I'll have people come to me and go, oh, it's so cool because you talked about this last week, and then this happened at work, and it really gave an opportunity for me to deal with that or talk about that or think about that. Well, for me, that often happens the week before because I'm working on the message, so it's very much in my heart and in my head. And, and this verse literally came to my mind yesterday. Um, so we try to every now and then take the girls on dates, do one-on-one -on -one dates with the girls. Um, Chad said he had four girls. I, I have four girls. And uh, so we, we try to do that with them. And uh, I had Angie, our littlest, and Angie, um, when asked, every time I ask Angie where she wants to go on a date, 
it's always, she's Chuck E. Cheese. She wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese, right? And Chuck E. Cheese is like my literal bad place on earth, right? So, um, like, I, I just, like, it, oh, it drives me crazy. And, it, and yeah, everything, you ever notice half of everything there is always broken, right? It's like half the stuff's broken. And now, like, the animatronics are like, eh, and they barely work anymore, you know? And, and so it's just this chaos. And I'm not, not real thrilled to go to Chuck E. Cheese, but I'm like, okay, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese, right? So we go to Chuck E. Cheese. And we're driving down. you got to drive Pro down to Provo. I don't know if anyone drove down to Provo yesterday around noon, but they had it down to one lane. And, um, and on top of that, it was really trafficy. And I don't know what happened, but I got stuck. And it took me about 40 minutes to go from uh, um, the tunnel, just above the, the tunnel, down to Nuns Park. And, and I just was like, oh. And it was all I could do. There was like so many places where I could have turned around. And, and like, I'm thinking in my head, I could just tell her, it's closed today, or, you know, I mean, like, all these things, I can't, or I could try to convince her something else would be more fun, right, but she was having a good time, she didn't care, whatever, so, um, so we followed through, I was a person of my word, I was in, faithful in little things, and to a little, to a little thing, um, anyway, um, so, faithful in the little things, see, if we're, if we're not going to be faithful in the little things, God's not going to give us much to be faithful with. Second is we need to be faithful with what we have. Faithful with what I have. Cultivate faithfulness with what you have. Open your Bibles to Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 12 through 27. I'm going to paraphrase uh, for time here, but, but Jesus is telling a parable of a nobleman who, who gives his workers, or yeah, his servants, uh, a certain amount of money, a mina, okay? And a mina was a decent sum of money. It was uh, a, about a month's wages. And he's going to be gone on a trip, and he says, I'm going to give you this, this wage. While I'm gone, I want you to manage it and, and turn it into more work it to become, uh, so I get a good return on it. So he goes away, and when he comes back, he calls them to account. And in verse 16, it says that the first one comes in and says, Lord, your mina has made 10 more minas. And the servant said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you have authority over 10 cities. So he was faithful with what he had. So he gave him more to be faithful with. Then he goes on. And he brings another uh, servant in. That servant has five minas. He, turn, or he turns his mina into five minas. And the, uh, the, the master says, because you were faithful, you'll, you'll have five cities to be over. Then verse 20, another one came in and said, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. He goes on and he takes that mina, one mina from him, and he gives it to the one with 10 minas. And then one says, wait, he already has 10 minas. And it says in verse 26, it says, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. See, he says, look, he will, if you're not even going to be faithful in what you have, you're not even going to have that. I, I, you're, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to keep blessing you if you're not faithful with what you have. God has given us blessings and he's called each and every one of us to be faithful in those blessings. Now, now get this, don't, don't think that this is about finances. Okay, now there, I, finances are definitely a part of this. But this is about everything. This is about life, about our talents, our gifts, our strengths, just the, men, the relationships that we have, everything that God has given us and blessed us in. He's saying, you need to be faithful in those things. I didn't just give you that so that you can hoard it. I didn't just give that so you can say, ooh, look at this, look what I have. I didn't just give you this so that so you can do what you want with it. I gave it to you because you are my steward. You're my servant. You are to use that to do my work, to, to bless other people. Each and every one of us has spiritual gifts, and we're meant to use those. And when we do, God will bless us in that. And when we don't, get this, when you don't, God's still going to get his work done. God's still going to get his work done, but you're not going to get the blessing. 
And, and so often I see this in believers and Christ followers. They, they will say, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I, want, I want to follow Jesus. But then they just kind of do their thing. They just do life the way they want to do it. They don't really turn themselves over to him. They're not really stewards of him. And yet then they complain about not seeing these blessings that God's talking about. Right? They're like, well, this, this life isn't, I don't see any blessings. My life isn't. And, and I constantly go back to, well, are you really submitting your th- these things to God? Are you really turning them back over to him? Do, 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 you, do you seek to use those to bless others? Because when you do, that's when God will bless even more. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. See, God created us to do his work. He created us for things that he has put us here for. You have gifts. He wants you to use them. For some of you, it might be the spiritual gift of giving. And God has called you to give and, and to bless other people with that, to look for needs to bless other people, to help other people through difficult times, to help God's work, to, to, to move his kingdom forward. But for others, it might not be that, maybe. But, but we still have other, we, we still have physical blessings. Every one of us in this room has physical blessings. Uh, you've heard me say this before. If you drove a car here, you are more blessed than 80% of the people in this world. You know, if you slept on a mattress with a roof over your head today, you are more blessed than 80% of people in this world. And we're called to use those blessings for, his, for him. We're called to use our homes to serve God. We're called to use our cars to serve God. But it's not just that. It's our talents. Some of us have great talents and craftsmanship and, and things like that that we're called to use. One of the things I loved about building this building was seeing different guys who might not feel like, oh, I want to teach kids on Sunday morning or, you know, I, or I want to teach or uh, do anything where I got, you know, hospitality. That's not their strength. But they have gifts of craftsmanship. And they were able to come down here and basically build, put this, you know, this church, make it the, what it is. And they were able to use their strengths. And it was awesome to see them just, so many of them just be willing to just give of their free time and come down and do that. Because they, they had those gifts. Some of you might be saying, well, I don't know my gifts. I, no, no one's ever told me. Well, that's why we have our next steps class. If you don't know what the next steps class is, it's that red card in the seat in front of you. And you just pull that out. All you got to do is let us know that you want to go to next steps class. And we walk you through that. We walk you through how God has created you individually, and he wants to use you to do his work. And, and we'll help you understand what your gifts are so that you can use those. And it's a, it's, you know, it's a fun time. You get to know people in the, the class. There's food. There's, there's even free child care. We literally have a few moms that they just come every month because there's free child I'm just kidding. We, they don't do that. Um, but but, but, but it's, it's, a, it's a great way to get to know that. 1 Peter 4.10 tells us that as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Each have gifts. We were to use those. Are we being faithful with what we have? The next area is we need to be faithful when it's hard. Faithful when it's hard. This is where we kind of get tested, right? You know, it's like, okay, I'm faithful in the little things. I, you know, I think for me, I mean, it's, one, it's one of those areas where I'm like, okay, I feel like in most little things I'm faithful. I have times where I slip, but I, I seek to be faithful in the little things. And, and I feel like I'm faithful when I have, you know, for the most part, I'll share things and but it's when it's hard, when it's kind of inconvenient for me or when it, 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 it's like, well, yeah, I know God wants me to do that, but I have this other thing I want to do, right? And, and, or, or God wants me to serve that person, and I really don't like that person, so that's hard, right? right? So there's these like, things, right? And it, it can be hard. But God calls us to be faithful even when it's hard. There's a story in 1 Samuel 24, verse 1 through 7. You can turn if you want. 1 Samuel, verse 24, 1 through 7, it it uh, is a story, and I'll give you, a, there's a lot of backstory. I'm just going to be a quick snapshot. It's a story of Saul and David, and Saul was the first king of Israel, and he was anointed by God. David was the, going to be, he was anointed to be the second king of Israel because Saul had been unfaithful in so many things, and, and God had decided he was going to move the kingdom out of his hands. And so David is the anoint, next anointed king, and Saul knows this, and Saul's off the, trying, seeking to kill David. David has never done anything to harm Saul. He's only blessed him. He's done everything he can to bless Saul, and yet Saul constantly wants to harm him. 
And Saul's hunting David. So David and his men are hiding in the wilderness. And Saul's chasing after David. And, um, and Saul gets, there's, this ca- there's caves along the hills. And, and Saul comes to a cave where he, it says that he goes in to relieve himself. And the language is pretty clear. He's not talking about number one. He's talking about number two. And as, re- as a result, he's in there and disrobing. And um, David's men are like, oh my gosh, Saul, this is like perfect. God's handing him to you on a silver platter. He, you know, this, this is your chance. He's alone. He, it's dark. He's kind of vulnerable right now. You know, th- this is great. This is your chance to kill him. And David says, no, I, I'm not going to do that. But what he does do is he goes up and he, and he cuts this, a piece of his robe off. And, but it says in verse 5, it says, Afterwards, David heart, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And then from that point forward, he, he instructed the men, we are not ever going to harm Saul. We will never harm Saul. Why? Because Saul was God's anointed. And regardless of if he was doing things wrong, David knew that was up to God to deal with it. That was not up to him. And he could have justified every reason why he should do it, he, that he should kill Saul. But instead he knew, no, I, I'm going to leave that to God. And as a result, God blessed him greatly in that. He, he, he served God even when it was hard. He was faithful even when it was hard. Even to the point that he, all he did was cut that robe off and he felt bad. He felt bad about that. Some of you are being faithful in difficult things. And you need to know that God blesses that. Some of you are being faithful in difficult marriages. Maybe you're in a, you're in a marriage where the, your spouse just really does not want to put anything into the marriage. And you're being faithful and you're sticking through it. And you're continuing to love and you're continuing to ask God to show you how to love. God will bless that. You're being faithful with difficult children. And you're, you're walking through life with them and 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 struggling through, through their difficulties. God will bless us. Some of you, it's, it's in difficult jobs, jobs that you hate, but you know you're providing for your family and, and you're taking care of, of yourself. You're being a responsible person and being responsible for others. And God will bless those things when we're, we're faithful when it's hard. And then finally, we need to be faithful in what matters most. Mark 12, 29 through 31. Jesus, I'm going to give you two passages where Jesus tells us what matters most. Verses Mark 12. Jesus said, the most important is this. He was asked about the greatest commandment. He says, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. See, Jesus is saying our most important thing that we are to be faithful in is love. That's why our, our mission statement here is give all the love all. Right? We don't just say that because it's got a good ring to it or something. It's because this is what God calls us to. God calls us to love. He calls us to give everything of ourselves to love. Now, do we know we fall terribly short of that? Absolutely we do. But we still know that's our calling. That's what we, are, we're, we, we constantly seek, is to be faithful in giving all the love all. See, that means that we don't tell you read your Bible because it's something that we kind of know that, you know, you just learn more about how to live life and it's better for you and it, and it shows you you're devoted. We don't, we don't say that, read your Bible because of that. We say it because we know it's how to learn how to grow in love with God, how to learn more about Him and, and love Him more. We don't tell you to pray <laughs> because we think, you know, well, when you just pray, it learns, you just learn how to be centered more, and it, gives, it sends out better vibes, or, you know, whatever people are saying about spiritual things now. Um, we, we, don't, we don't say it that way. It's because we know it, it helps you develop your relationship with the Lord. It helps you communicate with Him. It helps you be in a love relationship with Him. We don't tell you to serve because it's just better for the church or better for other people. We tell you to serve because that's how you get to express love. You get to express love for other people. You get to express love for God through 
serving. Even church, you know, we don't tell you to come to church because we feel like, oh, this is, you know, this is what you're supposed to do if you're a Christian or we need you here. You know, we, all, all the things that the, we, we ask people to do are not for us. It's easy, I think, to think, oh, if they're always asking for something. We're not asking for us. We're asking for you. We're asking because we know what God blesses. And, and it's not something we're asking from you. It's something we want you to be blessed in. We want you to know it. We want you to walk in it. We want you to live in it. That's why hopefully you've heard the testimonies over the last few weeks of these different people that have said, man, as I've stepped into these things more and more, I've seen God's blessings open up for me in life. I read a, a, sad, a very sad statistic to me that said that the average faithful, now listen to this, the average faithful church attender, not the average church attender, the average faithful one, the average faithful church attender Last year, they did, taking a survey, comes to church an average of twice a, a month. Comes to church an average of twice a month. While the average church attender comes to church once every three weeks. Okay? So the average faithful are there. Basically, that they're saying that basically outside of like staff and like absolute leaders in the church, they're pretty much the average person is there twice a month. Now, I think we're, we do a little bit better than this. I, I really do believe we do a little bit better than this. And then, then the average are saying people that just kind of go, yeah, that's my church. I, I'm a 10 there. I'm a part of that. They're there every three weeks. Now, the problem with that is this. In 1980, the same survey was done, or in the 1980s, the same survey was done. And the average faithful church attender was in church three times a month. And the average church attender was there twice a month. Now, do you see that? In a generation, it's, it's backed up. Now, do you know what happens when you go back another generation? The average church attender was at church. <laughs> the average church attender went to church. It's Sunday. Well, that's what we're doing. We're going to church. My grandparents, you know what they did? They, they go to church, and then you know what they do when they're on vacation? They find a church, right? That's what they do. They, they, so why? Because that's what, that's what they did. Now, I, now, am I saying that that's, that's just what we do and we're bad for not doing No, but, but here's my concern. And I'm going to close in just a second. Here's my concern, though. We don't say come to church because we just think it's what you should do. See, I have people say, well, I don't even need the church. I don't really need to go to church. When someone tells me they don't need to go to church, you know what? I, and this is just me being really honest. This is not... I'm not saying that I can prove this out of the Bible. I'm not, I'm not okay, I, but I do think I have a good philosophy about this. When someone tells me they don't, they don't need the church, the first thing that comes to my mind is you don't know what it means to be a Christ follower. Here's why. Because a Christ follower knows you don't go to church for you. A Christ follower knows you go to church, one, to worship God, to, to, to be a part of the body worshiping God. Be two, because he calls us to be a part of the church. Did you know the entire New Testament, almost, there was two letters that were written to individuals. The rest of it was written to people as a group on how to interact as a group. Three, we're called the body of Christ. We are called constantly to meet together. The Bible tells us, don't give up in meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We're called to be together. And we aren't at church just for us. We're at church for others. God has done specific things in you that he wants you here because you can bless other people. And it's not just for you to come and say, hopefully Shane says something funny and the message is good and the music's good and they have the right people up front and, and the kids, they handle them okay. That's not what it's for. It's for you to come and be a part of the body of Christ and pray before you come. If you're a Christ follower, if you're new, don't worry about this. If you're a Christ follower, you, we are to pray before we come to meet together and ask God to use us to help to serve someone else. That's why we're here. And we're called to be together. And did you know the church is one of the only few places where we're even in, in situations in life anymore. But we have to deal with people, people that bug us, people that, people that we would really would rather not be in the same room with at times. Right? Nowadays, we don't do that. Right? We just, someone, we don't like them, we just quit hanging out with them. Where this is a place where we have to learn to grow. We, we grow better when we're together. 
It's about learning to love. It's about learning to love each other, the discipline of that, and the discipline of loving God. And then finally, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you in. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you're a Christ follower, the most important things are learning to love and telling people about Jesus. Those are the most important things. Those are the things that we are called to be faithful in. You know, I believe, I, there again, I, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say it this way, but outside of telling people about Jesus and sharing Christ's love with people, I don't know why we're here once we give our life to Christ. I have, no, I have no reason why we are still walking this earth once we give our life to Christ. People say, well, it's so because we're supposed to learn more about him. Really? Because I think I would learn more sitting at his feet. Right? Or we're supposed to worship him. Well, I think there again, if I was in his presence, I'd probably be a little more focused. I, it's, it's, I, I, everything I see is because we are supposed to share that with other people. The keystone principle that I believe serves us in every area of life, makes us better parents, better spouses, better friends, better community members, better, better Christ followers, is faithfulness. Let's pray. Father God, I, I pray that you will give us the strength to be faithful. Give us the hearts, the humility to be faithful. God, because in my pride, the things that I want in life oftentimes see so much more important than the things you want. So God, give us, give us the humility to just submit to you and to be faithful. God, not to beat ourselves up when we're unfaithful, not to feel guilty, not to, not to hate ourselves, not to, not to cause ourselves more pain, but just to, to seek you, to turn it to you, and to commit over and over again to be faithful in the little things and what we have. God, to be faithful when it's hard. And ultimately, as Christ followers, be faithful in the most important things. In your name I pray.